What is up, everybody? My name is Matt Cordova. I'm the senior pastor here at The River, and we are excited that you are listening to our podcast. Now, before the message starts, there's three things that we would love for you to do. One, we would love for you to share it. Two, we would love for you to subscribe. And three, we would love for you to go and rate it. So the message is about to begin. I hope it encourages you, and I hope that you know that God has a plan for your life. We got two weeks left, so here's kind of what's been going through my mind is I want to share with you something that I've been, uh, man, just been, it's just been on me. You know what I mean? Something I've been, I, I don't know, I, the word hungry comes to mind. I know we just had donuts. There's no connection. But like I've been like pumped up about this. And, and it's really, we're going to continue our pursuit of getting to know God, right? That, that's our word for 2022. We want to know God. The thing that we're doing different today is we're going to look at a different uh, aspect of God. We're going to look at the Holy Spirit. Everybody say the Holy Spirit. A lot of times, especially paying attention, the Holy Spirit is often neglected in churches. And it's really, if we're going to be completely honest, it's often neglected in our life, right? The Holy Spirit is God inside of you. The language that God will use throughout the Bible in reference to the Holy Spirit is the same language he would use to talk about the temple, that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you, right? That's that's temple language, like when God's presence dwelled inside the Holy of Holies. The Holy Spirit is inside of you. How many of you understand you are now the temple? When you said yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit came. He didn't give you bits and pieces of himself. He gave you the entirety of himself. So what do we know about the Holy Spirit? Well, Jesus said this. He said, it's actually to your benefit that I leave. Now, remember, he's already told the disciples, I'm going to the cross. He says, it's to your benefit that I leave. Can you imagine being a disciple during that conversation? You're like, no, it's actually to my benefit that you're here with me. You know what I mean? Like, Jesus, life is good with you. I'm learning from you. He goes, no, 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 no. It's your benefit that I leave so that I can send the parakletos, or the, that's the Greek word used. It's the Holy Spirit. And here's what we learn from that conversation. The whole, we, we learn two things. One, the Holy Spirit is another like Jesus, right? Uh, we used this analogy uh, a couple years ago when we talked about um, one of the same kind, like another there's, there's, there's two ideas. Like, let's say I give you an apple and I, and you say, Hey, can I have another fruit? And I give you an orange. It's a fruit, but it's not of the same kind, right? The same, the language that Jesus is using is like, let's say I give you an apple and I'm going to send you another. He, he's saying, I'm going to give you another apple. One of the very same kind. It has the same heart, the same passion, the same mindset that Christ has. Another thing though, is that the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will lead us into truth. How do you know you're following the Holy Spirit? Well, you should be walking in truth, right? The Holy, if we're listening to the Holy Spirit, he's always going to lead us. He's always going to guide us into truth. But what we're also going to see throughout scriptures, the Holy Spirit doesn't just dwell within us, but throughout the entire biblical narrative, the Holy Spirit empowers people. He empowers. In fact, there's not a time in the Bible that the Holy Spirit moves separate from humanity. You know what that tells me? God's major plan for the redemption and, and restoring everything back to the Garden of Eden after Jesus has been through people. You, you realize that Abraham, in, in Genesis chapter 12, Abraham was supposed to be a blessing to the nations. The nation of Israel was supposed to be a blessing to the nations. Why? Because that's where God's presence was. So if that's true, anywhere that God's presence is, that person should be a blessing to the people around them. 
That person should be a blessing to the workplace that they work in. That person should be a blessing to the children that they get to raise. That person should be an absolute blessing because the Holy Spirit is inside of them. So if you've got a Bible, open it up to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. It'll be on the Sky Bible. Um, just some background. Jesus has already gone to the cross, right? He's appeared to his disciples, and what we're about to see in the book of Acts is really the launch of the church, right? There's a major shift from the Old Testament. It's all about the nation of Israel. After the finished work of the cross, it's the movement of the church. Does that make sense? So now we're about to see the launch of the church. Jesus appears to his disciples. They ask him this question. They say, hey, are you here to restore Israel? Jesus, in a nonchalant way, says, it's none of your business. Here's what, here's what he says in verse 8. He says, it's not for you to know, but you will receive power. Everybody say power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That, ooh, that's a good, that's a good promise right there, right? Here's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about a new muscle to flex. A new muscle to flex. Everybody turn to neighbor and say, this is not a workout sermon. This is not a workout sermon. Let's pray. So dear Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for the opportunity to get to celebrate dads. And God, I thank you first and foremost that you are the perfect father figure. That whether we had good earthly dads or bad, you've always been there. You've always been present and you always will be. God, we love you. Come and move. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. So over the past couple years, I've gotten to share with you guys kind of my morning routine. I've never told y'all really how we end the day. You know what I mean? Like, I, anybody love nighttime? Anybody just like, I'm telling you, when it comes down to lay, I like laying down in my bed. The very first thing we do after we put the boys down is I go get in my, I brush my teeth first. Don't, and no stanky breath. We ain't doing that. You know what I mean? But I, we, we brush our teeth. I go lay down in bed. And then oftentimes, that's like mine and Alexis's alone time, Right? And what we like to do is we like to watch TV. We'll watch all kinds of shows together. Uh, one of our favorite shows is a TV show on Netflix called All American. Anybody ever seen the TV show? All oh, listen, its storyline is good. Like, I, I love All American. Uh, if you don't know what it is, it's, it's inspired by a true story. Basically, the meat of this story is how a kid grew up in the ghetto of South L.A., rises and becomes an NFL football player. Right? It's inspired by a true story. It's, it's awesome. But there's one major character I want us to think about today. Um, his name is Coach Billy Baker. Coach Billy Baker. Coach Billy Baker, he's kind of a big deal. Um, he grew up, he went to South Crenshaw, which is the same school that this kid would graduate from, that the story's about. He was an all-star athlete, so he killed it in high school. He killed it in college, and then he went pro, right? Made it to the NFL. Uh, but his story doesn't end there. He gets a season-ending injury and falls back into coaching. And so um, he ends up coaching at Beverly Hills, which is an extremely wealthy school, and then leaves to go and coach at South Crenshaw, which was his home stopping ground. So for his whole life, 
Basically, his whole life has revolved around football. It's been football when I was able to play. It's been football when I got hurt. Like, my life just revolves around football. And then in this new season, the principal leaves, and they're looking for a new principal for, for South Crenshaw. Well, he's got good leadership skills. The, the students love him. Spencer James, who's the main character's mom, tricks him into taking this interim job. And what he comes to find out is he loves it. Right? He, he thought it was all about football. He, he gets this interim, uh, principal job and the, the students love him. He's falling in love with it. And then all of a sudden they're like, Hey, we, we, we actually have a candidate for this principal position. And he's like, Well, I want my name in the hat. Well, come to find out all the cards are stacked against him. And then it zooms in onto this conversation with him and his daughter. And she's like, Man, you really love this. And he goes, It's, it's like, like, you know, the, the kids love me. He's like, but it's, it's like I'm finally heard. It's like I'm finally seen. It's like I'm more than just a coach, but I'm also an educator. And he says this, it's like a new muscle to flex and one that I didn't know that I had. It's like a new muscle to flex. It, so, so, so here's what, why I love sharing that story is for coach Billy Baker his life was revolved around, like it, it was all football. It was football when I was able to play. It was football when I wasn't able to play. And then all of a sudden he gets this opportunity to be an educator and a great leader and he falls in love with it. He, had, he, what, he didn't know that, this, that there was this side of him until he walked into it. And I would propose that that's many of us when it comes to living our life alongside the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is inside of us and that we have this muscle that God has given us to flex, not to show, not like bodybuilding flex, but like to flex, to use and utilize. And for many of us, it may be something that we didn't even know that we had. So verse eight, looking at it again, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Right? So this is interesting. Jesus has come back. Uh, Pentecost is right around the corner. We know at Pentecost, Peter gets this, preaches this big sermon. 3,000 people say yes to, to Jesus that day. But what's really interesting is, is right before then, he shows up to his disciples. He says this, but you will receive Holy Spirit, the uh, power when the Holy Spirit has come. Now, here's the question I would ask. What's the power for? Right? What is, what is the power for? If, if God is gi giving us this Holy Spirit and this Holy Spirit is supposed to empower us, what is the, there's got to be a reason for it. Right? He didn't give us this power to build our name, to build our status, to build our platform, to build our following. He didn't give us this power to use recklessly or to use however we want to. If we know that Jesus works the way that he does, then there has to be a reason that he gave us this power. So my question is, okay, why did he give us this power? What And what is this power? What's the purpose for it? And I think the answer is in the very next sentence. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What is the purpose of the power? To be a witness for Christ. The, the Holy Spirit empowers you to point people to him and to point people to his kingdom. It's to show people that Jesus saves lives and that there's life in this kingdom that is here and not yet. 
Do y'all, do y'all see that? Right? That's the purpose of the, the Holy Spirit. In fact, something I think we need to remember is the gifts of the Spirit are designed to pe- point people to Jesus or they're supposed to remind followers of Jesus. Right? The, the gifts of the Spirit are used to point people. Think about it. When Jesus healed people, it says that they worshiped God. Right? That they would worship God right then and there. What does that mean? Jesus used the gift of healing to point people to who? Not himself. To the Father. Right? But if you dive into the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says some of these gifts are for the building up of the church. So what does that mean? The, the, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit inside of us is used to point people to the kingdom or to remind them of remind followers of the promises associated with them. Right now, now here's where things get interesting. When we start talking about gifts of the Spirit, and listen, we are a charismatic, non-denominational church. What does that mean? That we believe that the Holy Spirit still moves today, right? So there's a, a list of, of gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. A lot of times when you hear gifts of the Spirit, this is where people go. Uh, it's kind of interesting because this is one of the most controversial settings within the global church. Right? But let's talk about what are these gifts? Well, one of the gifts of the Spirit is the gift of wisdom. Right? God empowering you with wisdom, the ability to think like He thinks. Um, another one is a word of knowledge. The, the Holy Spirit empowering you to know something about someone that He would use as an end to point people to Him. Does that make sense? Uh, another one is faith. The Holy Spirit empowering people to have extravagant faith. They're not eternal optimists. They just believe that God's going to do something crazy. They believe that God's going to show up. Um, uh, Healing. Now, this is something interesting because I think we've, I I, I think we have a a, a different perspective of healing. Um, Because I think doctors are, are empowered with the Holy Spirit to heal. When we think of healing, we think of instantaneous. But healing takes time. You know what I mean? I, a couple weeks ago, I had a, got a second degree burn on my foot. There were several people that prayed for me. My foot's healed. It just didn't happen like this. You want me to tell you why I think we confuse it? Is we see stories where Jesus touches people and restores them. But look at the next gift. The next gift is what? Miracles. There are miraculous healings, but I think doctors are empowered with the gift of healing. Some people are empowered with the gift of miracles. Some people, prophecy. Prophecy is not a weird thing. It's not, I know we, we can abuse it. We can overly focus on it. Prophecy, if you look at it throughout scripture, is God telling, giving somebody a message and them sharing the message with a group of people. It's what it is. Uh, discerning of spirits, telling, walking into a room and telling whether God's presence is here and whether something else is not. Uh, the, the, uh, the gift of tongues. And the gift of interpretation of tongues, the ability to translate it. So here, here's the question I want to get to, right? It, we, we know the Holy Spirit empowers us. We know that the Holy Spirit gives us gifts, right? The, 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 Paul would call them gifts of grace, right? Is 1 Corinthians 12 the concluded list of gifts that the Holy Spirit gives? Here, here's the reason why I want to ask that question is if we think that this is the only list of gifts that God gives and and we don't operate in any of them, we will start to question our faith. So here's what I want to do. 
I want to dive into the Bible this morning and look at different times that the Holy Spirit shows up and see what he does. Right? If we believe that maybe there's more gifts than what's mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which there would be even in the New Testament. You have Ephesians, you have Romans, you have 1 Peter. What's really interesting about all of those is there are different gifts mentioned in each different church. So it it appears almost like the gifts that are in that church were designed to move that body towards Christ. So not every church had the same gifts at the same time. That's just something interesting for us to think about. But I want to dive into the Bible this morning. We're going to look at two Old Testament stories, one in the New Testament, and see how the Holy Spirit empowers people. So if you've got a Bible, um, Exodus chapter 31. In fact, what I would encourage you is write it down. We're going to bounce around the Bible. It's going to be up on the Sky Bible, or you can use the, the app, uh, the sermon notes in our app. Exodus chapter 31 reads like this. It says, The Lord also spoke to Moses. Look, I have appointed by name Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with God's what? Spirit. Okay, I filled him with his spirit, with wisdom understanding and ability in every craft to design artistic works in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut gemstones for mounting, and to carve wood for work in every, uh, in every craft. Now, before we, re- before we break this down, let me, give you, let me tell you what's going on. Moses is on Mount Sinai with God, right? They have just left Egypt. The people of Israel are at the base of the mountain. Moses has walked up into the glory cloud, and God has given him the Ten Commandments. God has given him just a little bit of extra law, but what he's also giving him is the layout of the tabernacle. If you don't know what that is, that's where God's presence would, it was basically a a tent of meeting. It was a moving tent where God's presence would dwell until Solomon would build his temple. Right, And here's what had to happen. God would give him very specific details about how certain things were supposed to be made, how they were supposed to be carved. Uh, What's really interesting is we know when Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden, God placed two seraphim to guard the garden. Well, every entryway deeper and deeper into the tent on both sides were two seraphim. So, I mean, there's even Garden of Eden imagery going into this, but they weren't allowed to cut corners. When they made this, everything had to be cut, it had to be carved, it had to be the exact length that God gives them. So so we see the Holy Spirit show up, and did you recognize that Moses wasn't the one that it sat on? Moses didn't get the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wasn't on Moses, it was on a guy named Bezalel. What's interesting is this is the second time in the Bible that the Holy Spirit shows up. The first one is Joseph. In the book of Genesis, the second time isn't Moses. And Moses is the one leading them. The second time is a guy named Bezalel. Now, why did it sit on Bezalel? Right? He says it right here. He says, to craft, to design. Right? The first time we see the Holy Spirit, or the second time we see the Holy Spirit moving through somebody, it was for them to be creative. It was their artistic ability. It was his ability. Listen, there are builders in the room. It was his ability to build. You mean, think about it. Okay, what's the very first thing we see God doing in the Bible? Creating. Where was the Holy Spirit? Right there hovering, right? The earth was formless void. It was empty, and the Holy Spirit hovered. Uh, What's interesting is that's language like a bird, which what does the Holy Spirit do on Jesus? Descend on Jesus like a 
Parallel, interesting. Uh, that's me nerding out. Anyways, but we see God, like, we see God creating. The very first thing that we see do, God do is create. The Holy Spirit is a part of this creative process. So the second time that the Holy Spirit shows up in the Bible, it's for creativity. It's to help make his dwelling place exactly the way that he wants it. He says he was given all understanding. He was given the ability to work with gold, to work with silver, to work with bronze, to cut, to shape, to craft. What am I saying? Some of y'all, God has given the ability to be artistic. You're creative. You have the ability to see something in your mind and bring it to life, whether it's through painting, whether it's through um, graphic design, whether it's through drawing. God is giving you the ability to be creative. And here's what I would tell you. It's the Holy Spirit. Right. There are builders in this room. Your ability to build constructions exactly the way that you see it in your mind may be the Holy Spirit moving inside of you. What am I saying? Creativity is a gift of the Spirit. Creativity is a gift of the Spirit. If you're artistic, listen, your ability to paint, draw, create, build, all of that stuff is just as valuable as anybody that can prophesy, speak in tongues, all that other stuff. There's not a hierarchy of gifts. The purpose of the gifts is to point everybody to Jesus. And he will use you however he can, however he created you to point people to him. So what am I saying? If you're an artist, man, paint until you can't paint no more. Draw till you can't draw no more. Use your drawing to show people how creative our father is. If you're a builder, build until you can't build no more or until you retire, whichever you want. You know what I mean? Just whatever. But build. Why? Because when in that building process that takes time, guess what you probably get to have? Conversations. And in those conversations, what do you, who can you lead people to? Creativity is a gift of the Spirit. Creativity is a gift of the Spirit. Let's look at another one. Judges chapter 14. Judges chapter 14, verse 5. It reads like this. Samson went down to Timnah with his father and his mother and came to the vineyards of Timnah. Suddenly a young lion came roaring at him. The spirit of the Lord came powerfully on him and he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. But he did not tell his father and mother what he had done. So let me briefly tell you the story of Samson. If, you, if you're unaware of it, Samson is a judge, right? So if you read the book of Judges, which is right after the book of Joshua, what would happen is Israel would um, would would worship God for a little bit, and then they'd start worshiping false gods. And then so God would just kind of take a step back, and he'd hand them over. In this instance, it's the Philistines, right? So the Philistines have taken over, so God would raise up judges, and these judges would come and set Israel free and lead them towards God. And then it was like after the judge died, they would go back, right? What does that tell me? Uh, God loves to raise up people to point people to who he is. I mean, that's the story of Judges. You, the repeat, the, the rinse, lather, repeat of the, the narrative is that, yeah, they may have worshipped, they may have fallen apart, but God will raise up somebody to point people to who he is. The same is true today, by the way. If he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, then God loves to, God will raise up somebody to point people to who he is. That's what he'll do. So Samson, um, we know he's really strong. If you, if you read the story, you find out Samson has been blessed with strength. We also know Samson has a lady problem, right? He, he, he likes the ladies. He, you know, in fact, that leads to his fall. 
uh, one of the, another thing we know about Samson, he's, 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 is he is a Nazarite. So Nazarites make three vows. One, they can't drink wine. Two, they can't touch dead animals. And three, they can't cut their hair. You want me to tell you what I love about the story of Samson? Samson breaks all three vows and God still uses them. He breaks all three vows and God still uses them. What does that tell me? It doesn't matter what your history is. God can still use you. It doesn't matter how bad you've messed up, how bad you feel you've messed up today or how bad you feel you've messed up in the past. All it takes is, like, if you read the story, Samson falls down on his knees and cries out to God and in the end accomplishes what he was created to do. But it was when he fell down and came back to God that God used him. What am I saying? Despite what your history may be, all it takes is us falling on our knees, coming back to God, and God will use us. Pick right back up, right where he left off, right? But one of the things that we see is that Samson, he had great strength, Right? So what was the purpose of his strength? What was to set the people free? And by the end of his life, he had used his strength for that very thing. But here's another time in the Bible, in the Old Testament even, when the Holy Spirit has come on somebody and it moved very differently than 1 Corinthians chapter 12. They, their strength wasn't in that category, wasn't in that list, right? You know what it makes me think of? It makes me think that there are certain Athletes, or there are people that have been blessed with strength and athletic ability for the whole purpose of pointing people to God. Perfect example is Tim Tebow. Right? Tim Tebow gets on the college platform and gets like exploited because he has John 3.16 on his eye black. Does he change? No. He gets to the NFL and he keeps pointing people back to God. What does he do now? He, he's still trying to get back in the NFL, but he's still going around the country telling people about who God is. You know what I mean? What, here's what I'm saying. There are some people here online in our school systems or in the schools around us that God has blessed you with strength and athletic ability for the sole purpose of pointing people to him. There are people that God has blessed with the ability to be strong or to play sports for the reason of pointing, it, pointing people to who he is. The question is, you get to choose whether you're going to use that gift for that reason. Because eventually, if we don't pay attention to it, we end up falling into the same role that Samson did. Samson had, uh, there's one scene where Delilah has like four different schemes to try to make him lose his strength. And, it, and it, there's a reoccurring verse. He says, I'll just do like I did before. What does that mean? A lot of times when it comes to strength and athletic ability, we start to focus more on us instead of God. When his focus shifted from him to God, God used him again. When it comes to athletic ability and strength and all that other stuff, it's easy to try to build our own platform. Yeah. Don't believe me? Go spend a couple minutes on Instagram. Preach. Preach. You know what I mean? There are some people that God has blessed with strength. There are, there are some people that God has blessed with athletic ability. And when, this is what I would say. Strength and athletic ability can be a gift of the Spirit. If not, the Holy Spirit wouldn't have given Samson that. There's, there's four different instances where the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came powerfully upon him. He kills a thousand guys with a jawbone of a donkey. He kills 30 Philistines. He brings down the whole temple. Like, take your pick. Strength is involved in each and every one of those. But strength's not often a gift that we think about when it comes to the Holy Spirit, just like creativity. I want to show you one more. One more. Um, boldness. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. This is what it says. So here, here's our New Testament text. When they prayed, 
and the place where they were assembled was shaken, or the place where they were uh, assembled was shaken, and they were all filled with what? The Holy Spirit, and began to speak the, God, the word of God, what? Boldly. They were filled with the Holy This is New Testament, right? So let me tell you what's going on. Peter and James are on trial in front of the Jewish leaders right now. Here's why they're on trial. They healed a guy. Sounds logical, right? So they're on trial. They're in front of the Jewish leaders. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came uh, uh, upon Peter and he spoke powerfully or boldly to the Jewish leaders. And this is what, the, what it says. The Bible continues into the narrative. And they, the, the Jewish leaders recognize some things about Peter and, and John. The very first thing that it says that they recognized was their boldness. It says we recognize that they were bold. We recognize that they were uneducated and untrained, and that's simply in description to them being the religious leaders. They don't know what we know, but we know that they're bold and that they know that they were with Jesus. What a compliment. You know what I mean? How how awesome would it be if like somebody's like, hey, you know, what do you know about so-and-so? Man, I know that they may not be the brightest, but they're bold and they they spend a lot of time with Jesus. So I could have left out the first part. <laughs> but like, think about it, man. Oh, man, what do you know about Josh Brown? Josh Brown, man, I know this guy is bold and loves the Lord. You know what I mean? But what, like, can you imagine a better compliment? Even when you're on trial, your life, like, think about it. They're being bold in front of people that had the power to execute them. They executed Jesus. These aren't just some run-of-the-muck guys. These are the Jewish leaders that put Jesus on trial. And they're there telling them the gospel. And eventually they would get released and they would go back to the church and they would share what happened with the church. And did you see what the Holy Spirit did? It says that, first of all, this has been my prayer for our church. It says they went back to the church and they prayed and the room was shaken. Man, how crazy would it be today? It, I, I'm, maybe I'm, I'm cut from a different cloth, but I, my mindset is if it happened in the Bible, it can happen today. It says that they went back to the church and they prayed and the room was shaken. It says the Holy Spirit came on them and they were able to speak the word of God Boldly. Boldness. 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 (laughs) Comes through. They were able to, like this, think about it. What is boldness? They had the ability to speak confidently and courageously in front of a people that could take their life away. They, They had the ability to stand on their faith and not waver. Even if it meant losing their life. They had the ability to be strong, not hesitant, to stand firm. That's that's what boldness is. So for some, man, maybe you, you recognize you're more bold than some of the people around you. What if your boldness is the gift that the Holy Spirit's given you? You mean boldness isn't an excuse to be mean or to be rude. But it's supposed to be, it's, it's the ability to be courageous in places that others may not. So what am I saying? For some people, 
Boldness is a gift of the Spirit. Bold, listen, if there's a gift that I pray stands out a little bit more today, it's boldness. That we would be bold about our faith. We would be bold about our convictions. We would be bold about our truth. What, what's, what's the point I'm trying to get at this morning? Is that every one of us has a gift and it may not look like what's listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I think the same thing that Jesus said to his disciples in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is just as true for us today. That when I go, which he already has, that I'll give you the Holy Spirit and he will give you power. But what's the power for? To be a witness in Jerusalem, which is right where they were. Judea, which is around them. Samaria, which is, which is a people they didn't like. <laughs> so it, it's like be a witness, which the word witness, if we're going to be just completely honest, when you look at the Greek lettering, it's martyr. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. He's going to give you power to be a martyr. What is a martyr? Somebody who gives their life on behalf of a message. They're committed to it. They're unshifting. They're unchanging. That's the word that's translated as witness in our English translations. So I'm going to give you power to be a witness right where you are in Jerusalem. And then once you're done there, go to your neighbors in Judea. And when you're done there, go to the people you don't like in Samaria. And when you're done there, get everybody. Get everybody. Here's the, the part that I hope all of us catch is you all have a gift. The Holy Spirit has empowered each and every one of us differently. Why? To be a witness. To point people to who he is. To point people to his goodness. Come on, is there a time that better than now that needs his goodness? Is there a time unlike today that needs his love everywhere? This is what 1 Peter says. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. It says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Come on. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety. There's, what is it? It's endless. It's endless. And here's something I would propose is that you could use one gift in one circumstance and maybe a different one in the other. Because 1 Corinthians 12 does say that the Holy Spirit gives the gifts as he sees fit. So what does it mean? Maybe if we learn to walk and to trust the Holy Spirit in our life, it looks different. He, he may empower us in areas that we didn't know that we had strengths. Or he may bring to light some of the strengths that we had and redirect it and repurpose it. But the overall point is there's not an irrelevant person on this planet. Relevance is not determined by how many likes, followers, and shares you have on any social media source. Relevance is determined by the one who made you. Relevance is determined by the, the greatest father that's ever existed. Relevance is determined by the fact that you're still breathing and he's got, given you a gift. Listen, if you are here today, if you're watching online, if you're breathing, you still have a purpose. And there is a gift inside of you. 
And there's some lies that we can buy into. If we're young, well, I'm not old enough. No, 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 no. Go read 1 Timothy. Don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. Two verses later, don't neglect the gift that you have. It doesn't matter how old you are. Man, there are five-year-olds that have walked this planet that have led people to Jesus. Well, I'm too old. I'm irrelevant. No, 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 no. Because you've gone through some stuff that I haven't. You have testimonies. You've walked through trials and some fires that I haven't seen. And I need your story. I need your testimony so that I can move on. So that we can walk forward. I'll tell you, this, this is not a political statement. Jesus, please make this heard the right way. The beauty of testimony is you give people permission to be free when you share your story, right? You give them the ability to not make the same mistakes or to choose a different path. When you withhold your testimony, it's like destroying history. <laughs> All you're doing is eliminating the opportunity for somebody to learn from your, like the mistakes that we've made. Our country thinks that if we destroy history, we won't repeat it. It's the furthest thing from the lie. The same is true with our personal lives and with our faith. Listen, some people are ashamed of their past. You have no reason to be if Jesus set you free from it. Because your past may be the healing path that somebody else needs to walk to be free. Shame isn't associated with God. Shame is associated with the devil. If he sets you free, use it. Maybe that's how the Holy Spirit moves inside of you is you sharing your gift here's so here's what i want us to do in this last moments of worship that we get together if you don't know what your gift is ask god how what is my gift what how have you blessed me to point people to you what is, what is the strength that you've given me to point people to who you are who are the people I can surround myself with to sharpen the gift that you've given me? You want to know how you get sharper? Not alone. You grow your gift by asking people that have gone before you, by learning their stories, by asking questions. Listen, this is, this is just as true in faith as it is in the workplace. The moment you stop asking questions is the moment you stop growing. The moment that you become unwilling to learn, you're actually walking in pride. What is your gift? For others, maybe you know your gift. Maybe you recognize it, but you haven't been using it the right way. Maybe you've used it just nonchalantly. Maybe you've used it to build your own platform. Maybe you've been flexing it, but not for the right purpose. Here's... What I want us to just to think about. If Jesus told his disciples that he gave them power to be a witness, then I believe the same message is true for us today. And I think if we will learn to do life with the Holy Spirit, which is God inside of us, if we'll learn to listen to the Holy Spirit, if we'll learn to trust the Holy Spirit, if we'll learn to follow the Holy Spirit, and if we'll learn to obey the Holy Spirit, I think many of us will find out we have a new muscle to flex. And it may be one that we didn't know we had. So I'm going to ask our ministry team to come up. 
These are people that are, are willing to pray with you. Listen, if you want prayer and you want to know what your gift is, they may not tell you what your gift is, but they'll definitely pray with you over it. But I can't think of a better day to run to the Father than Father's Day, right? And say, God, man, how have you blessed me? How have you chose me? How have you empowered me? If you guys will stand up with me, let's pray and let's get ready to worship. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you so much. God, I thank you that you're limitless. I thank you for texts like 1 Peter where it says that there's a variety of gifts that you've empowered each and every one of us. Everybody that believes in you, God, the Holy Spirit is in them. God, and I pray that we would just surrender our lives to that. Surrender our lives to the Holy Spirit inside of us as it pushes us closer and closer to your image. God, we see how you loved. We see how you healed. We see how you were bold. And if we wonder how you were able to do that, the answer is you followed the Holy Spirit. You followed the Paracletos. You had the Holy Spirit inside of you. You said, listen, it's to your benefit, church, that I go so that I can send the Holy Spirit. I know you want me here. But you really want the guy that's coming after me. And here's what he's going to do. He's going to tell you what I'm telling. He's going to say what he hears the father saying. He's going to push you to do what the father's doing. And he's going to give you power to be a witness right where you are to those around you, to those you struggle with and to the ends of the earth. God, let us just lean into you. It's in your name we pray and everybody say Hey, that's the message. I hope it encouraged you. I hope it inspired you. I hope that you know that God has a plan for your life. In fact, if you would like to join us as a part of our online campus and you would like to watch the video as it happens live, go follow us on Facebook or YouTube by searching The River in Panhandle, Texas. Have an amazing week.